always say um, it's an honor to be here again. Uh, I feel like this is becoming a second home. Um, and uh, um, uh, and I'm all messed up again. So, I mean, that happens every time because your worship is like very few places I go. And, and I come in all fixed up and neatly put together and, and God just undoes me. And uh, the the nice thing is, is that I let him do that. You know, there was a time where I wouldn't let him undo me. That's a message in and of itself, isn't it? Um, but there's a few things that just kind of stirred in my heart um, that uh, that I just want to I want to do before we get into things. And um, <clears throat> uh, and because of the way I do the endings of my services, normally when I'm doing healing things. I got to do a couple things at, uh, on the front end. So, um, Brian, uh, this Brian, I may prophesy to you too, but this one over here, we had a great session, didn't we? We had major breakthrough the other day, so amen. So, um, but um, uh, I want to be very careful with what I'm going to tell you because I know some things, and it, it, it's difficult to prophesy to people once you know all their stuff because it's hard to tell what's God and what's you because um, your heart hopefully is compassionate towards people so I'm, I'm wanting to be very careful with this and I ignored it about half a dozen times in my head but um, <laughs> can you hear me now? <laughs> No flair for the dramatic, right? <laughs> stay open, stay open. <laughs> I'm telling myself that, not him. <laughs> no, you're fine. Okay? So, um, and none, I didn't have any of this until I hugged you. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful what's my, what's me and what's God, and you can sort it in your own heart. Um, but I know that you have been frustrated. Uh, so that I know. But I feel like God just opened his whole perspective of how he's looking at your situation right now, and that's what I think is true from him, because I wouldn't have seen this. Because when I hugged you, I just heard I've hid him in the clefts of the rock. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing messages, you're hidden in the cleft of the rock. Oh, hallelujah. Ooh, the cleft of the rock. Like Moses, I'm in the cleft of the rock. Well, let me tell you, I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of camping, and if you get stuck between rocks, it ain't fun. You know, it ain't no, ooh, it's get me the heck out of here because I don't fit. And now I really don't fit. Okay? So, you have had this, pre you have had this, this is what I know. You have had this frustration because it's almost like you've gone unnoticed and you've worked and you've, and, and nothing, those things I know. So that's not prophetic. We've had those discussions. But it's like God showed me his heart and showed me his perspective. And while you thought like, what the heck is going on? This has never been my life. He just spoke to me and said today, tell my son I've hit him in the cleft of the rock. And all those things that you felt, that's what comes with being in the cleft. But here's the thing about the cleft. Moses, when he was in the cleft of the rock, saw God in a way he never could have if God hadn't hit him in the cleft. And in the midst of all this frustration and everything that's been going on, you've still remained faithful. And he said, I've showed you aspects of who, have I, who I am that you would not have seen if I hadn't hid you in this cleft right now. But what I really feel like the Lord's also saying, Brian, is, is that's his perspective of things. And he's added things to your life. But I hear him saying, I'm pulling you out of the cleft this year. That shift, there's a shift coming. I don't know what that means. And I'm not even going to go there because I think I would start to get into the midst of that hoping for you but things will not be this year the way they've been while you've been in that cleft of the rock that he is pulling you back out you've seen the hind the hind places of God you've seen 
what he's needed you to see. And you're going to get pulled out and sat back up. And things are not going to be business as usual. Now, I don't know what all that means. And I don't want to go there because I know too much. But I felt like you needed to know that to encourage you that this is God's perspective. And if you'll have faith to believe it, that you're going to look back as this year goes along and you're going to go, wow, I, I realize why I needed to be there now. But I, I couldn't have known this had I not been there. So that's for you today. So hallelujah. And uh, Chris, will you come up here? I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm chewing into my message time, but uh, I'll make it that you're drinking water out of a fire hydrant shortly. So um, and just let... Whatever goes in, in, and whatever runs down will dry up. So um, just lift your hands. Father, I just, I, just, um, I just pull out everything. I stir the anointings and the giftings and the callings in him right now. I, I speak to that, that spiritual man inside of him. And I stir those things those anointings. There is a healing in your voice. I hadn't heard that before, but when you led worship today, you hit a song where something released out of you that, that, that is a healing voice. And that's going to increase, and I just call it forth. Because you have a heart to see people healed. And you have a heart to heal because of what God's done in the fissures of your brokenness and your woundedness. But it's not going to be hard and it's not going to be difficult. And there's a sound in your voice that's going to magnify. And in the spirit realm, it's beginning to even magnify and increase right now. And that's what I'm calling out today. I'm calling out that voice, the healing anointing through your voice. That even as you play, songs are just going to flow out of you. And people are going to come up and say, well, where can I get that? And you're going to say, well, I hope they recorded it because that's just part of how I live. <laughs> I don't even remember. What are you talking about? <laughs> and you're going to sing. You're going to sing the goodness of God. I see the healing, the healing leaves of the nations through your voice. That there's a bomb that comes out of you. And it runs all over people. And there's a uniqueness to that that, that that many people haven't seen. Because I see like if you were standing in a prayer line, rather than laying hands and prophesying the way we see everybody else do, uh, God's, God's giving you song after song after song after song after song. And it's like you'll sing this verse over this one and that verse over that one. And I don't know if this is literal or not. But, but what I'm trying to get at here is, is that it's through your voice. And you felt like you have no voice. Like, what's my unique thing? I mean, what, 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 what's my thing? And, and it's okay to feel that way because God gives us all a thing. And I think this is part of the things that are uniquely you. And you're going to need to sit with God because this way of flowing and this way of healing uh, it's not out there in very many places. Yeah, people sing and declare and that all sounds like, but there's just a uniqueness to rhyme and verse and, 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 and unique jingles and things. The closest thing I have naturally in my mind is, is what I've seen in what Kim Clement does. But your anointing is different in his, but, but he comes up with these these rhymes and these verses and these these jingles and things, they just flow out of him. And 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 while his does a different thing in the prophetic, yours is yours is it, yours is gonna bring that healing. Would you just extend your hands towards Chris? Father, we just call that out today. I pray that it magnifies. I pray that it becomes so big in him and the openness of his heart as you're healing him. That he's even going to have to say, all right, God, could you, could you back it off? Because I need to study right now, okay? I, I really need to do this test. And, and uh, um, you know, can we just kind of hit the pause button? Father, we just, we, just, we just call it forth. Even as he goes where he's going.
it's not going to be the same. You need to begin to expect that as you open your mouth, people are going to come to you with testimonies that as you were singing, something just came over them and, and they were healed of this and they were set free of that and they had an image of this and and I see Pop pleased with you, Chris. I see a big smile on his face, and I, I just hear him saying that through all heaven, that's my boy. That's my boy. Look at what he's becoming. That's my boy. In Jesus' name, and we call it done. <laughs> and uh, and Kevin, just to add on to yours, as, as all that was, was going on, um, I just saw you like an oak tree. And uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like the Lord just wants you to know that, that you have been frustrated. Uh, it, was like, it was like you told me, you have been frustrated that you haven't seen a lot of fruit at the endeavors of your hands. And, he, and, and I just got this sense of he doesn't realize that, that, that he's still in process to being that oak tree. That some oaks don't even produce any fruit for five or six years, and the first fruit they produce is just kind of minuscule. But once you become mature in the things that God has for you, there's going to be so much fruit, you're not going to know what to do with it. So just understand the perspective versus where you've been frustrated in his perspective and just rest in that and know that you're right on course. So, Well, God's good, amen? Let's go eat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody said amen. <laughs> well, I'm going to, um, my assignment today, and we'll see how much of this we get through, is to continue on in the... Uh, Shalise called it the anatomy of brokenness. I kind of like that when we were sitting eating lunch, but it's understanding brokenness. Because um, if we don't understand something, it's really hard to figure out how to handle it. Um, you know, uh, Susan's testimony. Uh, a lot of you don't know her background, but, but, but she has not just labored in getting healthy, but she's been around some real healing movements and seen people get healed, and so, and so um, the healing that came was because there was an avenue and a way of, of doing healing that directly tied into the specific way her mind broke, and, and so we don't know what we don't know till we know it, right? I mean, I don't know what normal is if I'm living in a dysfunctional family. I don't know what functional is until I know what functional is. Oh, I didn't know that, 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 that dads weren't supposed to yell at their kids all the time. And I didn't know that moms and dads weren't supposed to scream at each other until I got with a family where moms and dads didn't do that. Are you here? And so, um, so just reviewing from last time, uh, I just want to, uh, first I want to find where my stuff is. Um, but I just want to kind of set the stage again because this is kind of two-part. The first part was understanding brokenness. And uh, I don't know if you remember the poem, but I'm just going to read it real quickly. Uh, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty together again. But then came a king riding that day with light in his eyes and grace in his way. He saw all the pieces of Humpty around. He gathered them up from off of the ground. He held Humpty close in the palm of his hand, all knelt with a look, awaiting command. The king spoke no words and to his men that day. His focus and gaze was on Humpty in all his dismay. You're not so destroyed and your life so mixed. It is just a lie that you can't be fixed. The king spoke the truth and to Humpty's surprise, his pieces were mending before all his other eyes. The hurt and the pain that came from the fall replaced by his peace, amazing them all. Didn't know there was a backstory to Humpty Dumpty, did you? And so we begin to talk about uh, different key points about that. The, the first fall was in Adam. In Adam's fall, we sinned all. That in that fall of humanity, there was the first 
break. And that, that a fall creates breaks. And how many of you know we've all had a few falls? What can be a fall? A death of someone or a loss. A betrayal. A violation. Somebody coming up and punching you in the mouth. Come on, I mean, whether it's verbal or physical, are you here? Come on, I mean, come on, there's a fragileness to humanity. That's why we need a God that's not so fragile. You realize that as we were taking communion today, uh, God just fresh and new uh, just gave me this picture. The Bible says that he became unrecognizable. See, on the Catholic cross and the cross around people's necks, he's still recognizable. In the greatest story ever told, he's still recognizable. Even in the Passion of the Christ, with all the the intensity of what was shown when he hung on the cross, you could somehow semblance know that that was Christ. But the picture that is reality is, is that if you didn't know he was dying that day and you walked up and you looked at his body, you would see a hunk of meat there. You wouldn't even realize that it was a man. It would be, who is that? Is that a person? He literally became unrecognizable so that we could be recognized. He identified in all your brokenness, in all the twistedness, in all the contortedness of your mind, in all the places that you don't even make sense to you, in all your unrecognizableness, in all the places where you go home and say, does anybody know me? Does anybody see me? Does anybody care? He became the complete, uh, and, and, uh, the complete unrecognizableness of life and humanity so that you could be recognized. Wouldn't know who he was. Can't even imagine in all the videos that have been taken and all the crosses that have been made. It does not compare to what scripture says that he could not be recognized so that you could be recognized. In everything you think's gone wrong in your life, in your brokenness, in everything that's happened, It's absorbed in the cross because he became in every way, everything that's nasty and bad and hateful and sinful and yucky. So they could absorb that. So that when he heals you, he can truly say, I know. I identify. I understand. You know, I used to hate when I was going through stuff and come to somebody and they'd say, well, I understand. Bull cocky, you understand. (laughs) Come on, we're all that way. Our pain's our pain. That's why I tell people, look, I understand from the place of I have pain, but I don't understand your pain. But I do know pain is pain. And he became everything that pain is so that you could get out of pain. Isn't that awesome? Okay, I got to get into my message. I'm telling you, y'all mess me up every time I'm here. So we're reviewing that. And all the God bringing Humpty together again and all that. I'm not going to take time to review all that. I just want to get your mind focused there. So today we're going to talk about brokenness as it relates to perception. Brokenness as it relates to perception. So I want you to put that first picture up there. I I, want to just kind of, okay? So that's a cube. Okay? The question is, which direction is it going? How many, you're like, what are you talking about? How many of you saw this being the front? Okay. How many of you saw this being the front? The point I'm making is it's according to your perception. Neither is right or wrong in this case. Okay, put the next picture up. Man, would you look at that chalice? <laughs> that is just amazing. 
oh, wait a minute, it's two people getting ready to kiss. Ah! So who saw the chalice first? Who saw the two people getting ready? It's perception. Did you ever see those pictures that guy does, like it's a staircase and it, 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 they're climbing and, and you get back around and you go, wait a minute, I thought I just did this. and Well, I did do this one. How do we get? And, or how about those three-dimensional images that were out back in the 90s? You know, there's paintings where it's like, relax your eyes. Dude, I had to be drunk to, to see those <laughs> images. I guess I'm such a concrete thinker. It's like the guy said, look, just cross your eyes and just, so I'm standing there. I think somebody took a picture of me. I'm like, I ain't, I'm seeing the picture this way and this way. I'm not seeing something reach out and grab me. Here, but it's perception, right? It's perception. So that's what we want to talk about today as it relates to a fall. So I want to just make a couple of statements, and, uh, and we'll go through this today. Because it's not just understanding that I'm broken and what it means to be broken and all those kind of things that we talked about last month. It's also, <clears throat> are you kidding me? Gotta love technology. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going here. So, it's always good to be old school, you know? So, our perception, listen to this now, our perception becomes our reality. Now listen, whether that is to a good end or a bad end, it will be to a specific end. And we do this every day, all day. It's walking, it, it's walking through a park, and you're not really paying attention, and, and there's this long skinny thing in front of you, and you jump back or hit your friend, they go off the cliff, and you're freaking out, and your heart rate goes up, and you look back down and really focus, and it's just a big stick that fell off of a tree. Come on, see what I'm saying? Perceptions really do things. You know, I could be walking along and, and, uh, and Brian and Catherine here, they're having a discussion and, and Brian says, uh, yeah, no, you know, Nathan. And she says, well, or that guy. And then Catherine says, yeah, now Nathan. And, and, and what's my perception? Man, I am going to go jack their jaws. Who do they think they are talking about me like that? But Brian was talking about a whole other person. They finished that, and Catherine went on to me. But my perception. So sometimes we have to forgive people, not for what they did, but for what our perception is of what they did. Come on. Are you here? So, you know, we've all heard that statement, I can't see the forest through the trees means there's so much going on in front of me, I can't see the big picture. Well, all of that's perception. And, I, and really what I even prophesied even to Brian over here today, it was a matter of perception. Well, this is how I see it, but this is how God sees it. And when we line up more to what God sees rather than what I see, everything changes even if our situation doesn't change. Does that make sense? See, I can go through a lot if I understand God's perspective on it. I can endure a lot. I can handle I, I get it now. Okay, it refocuses everything. Can't tell you how many people I sit down with, and, and, and part of what we deal with is, is this idea of being alone. Well, I was alone. Where was God? He wasn't there. Why did he let this happen? And on and on and on. And those are legitimate questions because it comes out of somebody's perception of their experience. And then all of a sudden, God shows up in the memory. He strips back the unseen and he makes it seen. And he shows them that if he hadn't stood between them and this person, they might have died. And just the idea of knowing that he really was there, that it could have been worse, that I had never thought that way. Why? Because what printed into me and my perceptions of it is what becomes my reality. Does that make sense? It's kind of like this. If I have a thought, and it's a belief, that every relationship I'm in, at some point somebody's going to reject me, that's my perception, then what's going to happen? 
There are a whole lot of people that like to come into your life, slap you around, and then walk away. They will accommodate your thoughts and your perceptions of yourself. But here's the problem with that perception. See, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, well, I draw that to me. I repel and self-sabotage healthy people who want to come into my life and not reject me. I sabotage it, not even knowing it. And then I get in prayer time and I go, God, why do you keep sending me these people? And God's going, oy vey. Come on, are you here? It's perception. And so we're just going to keep digging into this just a little bit. So perception, just for the scholarly section of this, perception comes from the Latin word perceptio, which is an idea of an organization or an identification or an interpretation of sensory information in order to represent and understand your environment. Uh, like, you know, if I was sitting down, I'm a simple guy, I'd be like, could you translate that, please? So I'll do that for my sake. It's, it's the way my mind organizes, identifies, and interprets the sensory things that come to me in order to represent and understand my environment. So simply put, we'll do an extreme case. If I'm molested, there's a lot of sensory environment going on. That's printing into my life. And there's things then that I'm going to believe and I'm going to perceive out of that sensory thing that happened that's going to guide my life. What do you mean? Well, if I'm a male and a male does that to me, I may end up homosexual. Or I may be promiscuous with women all the time. Or I may get married and not really be able to be intimate. Why? Because that printed in and now I have a perception. Are you here? Got it? Perception is the act of receiving impressions by the senses or the act or process of the mind which makes known an external object, okay? Like, you know, when I hold a rock out of a river, how do I know it's smooth and cold because of my sensory perception of it? And that prints in and that goes to understanding and all kinds of other things that go along with perception. So here's, so here's what I'm going to say then. As we perceive things, we do through all these portals, these gateways, through our, our eyes, our ears, uh, our mouths, our feeling. Those are all the portals that pull everything together that my mind somehow brings together in memories and images and things like that. So what I want to focus on here is this, is that everyone is seeing something. You realize even a blind person is seeing something? They're seeing the absence of everything. But they're still seeing. Does that make sense? So then your eyes, and we've heard this before, I'm sure, your eyes are the doorway to your soul. So understand then that eyes, natural eyes, have lenses. So then also understand that your soul has lenses. And your soul's lenses are those things that have happened that you've got a perception on now. And you wear those lenses as you interpret your life as an adult. Does that make sense? Those lenses are steeped in the things that have happened. But those things that have happened download perceptions. And those perceptions translate into our brains as thoughts and ideas. Are basically, for our purposes, lies and truth. Our worldviews. Our ways of belief. There's a reason why when I get in my car and my wife pokes me and reminds me where I'm supposed to go, that I have emotion that's a level of 20. When it shouldn't even be but a point two. And it's not because of her. It's because of what I perceived at another time in my life. And my mind, using those less lenses, references that place and everything that's in it and brings it right to where I live now, instantly. 
That's a perception. Does that make sense? It's this idea that I can be going along and I can say some things to my wife. How many of you know communication is great when it happens? But how many of you know in these spousal and partner relationships, it's very difficult. Not just because you got two different people coming from two different worlds and whole bucket loads of perceptions. But then you've got brokenness in that, that drives some of those perceptions. So a lot of times I'll be talking along my wife and saying this, and it goes in her ear, goes around her perception spinner, picks up her pain, and comes out like this. And I'm going, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, really, I didn't say it. Yes, you did. No, really, I didn't. And we go back and forth, and I say, what did I say? This is what I said, right? I mean, think about it. This is what I said. And she said, yeah, but this is what you meant. Okay, now we're on to something else. <laughs> Just give me that, that you finally conceded this is not what I said. One for Nate. Because if I can't get her to concede that, I can't get her to see that what she's thinking I said and what I meant isn't really what I said and meant. Well, where did that come from? Her perceptions based on her and what she brings to the table, not me. (sighs) I know, it's just our family, right? Y'all pray for us because y'all are more spiritual than the rest of them. I get it, I know. Y'all have arrived at a place where I'm still working on. So here's the thing you've got to understand now, pulling it back to this whole Humpty Dumpty thing and brokenness. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, not broken. So there's a pre-fall situation that he was in that isn't there after the fall. So let's talk about what Humpty Dumpty's pre-fall view of life was before he fell. Well, I'm going to walk through this real quick because there's a couple other places I want to get, and then we'll go eat the roast, okay? So, So first... According to Ephesians 2, he was seated. It says in Ephesians 1.20 that Christ was seated. And then it says in Ephesians 2.6 that we are now seated with him. So he was seated in heavenly places. His perception was from a place of sitting down above All kinds of things. So what does that mean? It means that he had full clarity. Jesus was his lenses. He was sitting right with him. Hey, hey son, look at that right there. Oh, yeah. How about that? Yeah, what does that mean right there? There was full clarity because Jesus in every way was his lenses. Secondly, there was full content. Jesus is our all in all. He's in all, through all, by all. All's created in him and through him and by him. And nothing that's created or made that was made. We're seated with him in that. So there was full clarity. There was full content. And there was full contact. Jesus was easily accessible. Because I want to say this. Jesus wants to be with you and know you more than you ever want to be and know with, be with him and know him, even once you're saved. You are the full focus and attention of his idea because he came so that Pop could have a family. And yes, he's establishing the kingdom and those are all other messages and his kingdom's increasing, but there's got to be people in the kingdom. You ever walk into a town and nobody's there? 
That's a great kingdom. It's called a ghost town. So there was full clarity, there was full content, and there was full contact. Secondly, his perception was that he was secure in his position. What does that mean to be secure? It means that you have full acceptance, full approval, and full affirmation. And you're not doing anything. You're just seated, hanging out. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to prove anything. This is where Humpty Dumpty was before his fall. Thirdly, his perception was that he was safe in his surroundings. Well, what does that mean? It means that he had full protection, full provision, and a focus on his full potential. Come on, how many of you know that some of the things that we deal with are feeling protected, feeling provided for, feeling like God will do that, feeling approved, feeling accepted, feeling affirmed? Is it just me? This was where he was seated. These are the things that went on in him and with him being seated with Christ, amongst other things. But for our purposes today, this right here. You know what this was called in Scripture? Eden. Adam and Eve. All these things. In Adam's fall, we sinned all. So all these things about Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall, seated, they all go back to the garden. All these things are what God intended for your life with him. You got to know pre-fall so that in the midst of your fall, you know what healthiness should look like. Does that make sense? If I don't know what I don't know, then I'll never know if I know it once I get there. It took me a while to be able to say that without getting tongue-tied. I mean, I've been through this a lot of times. I want you to know I just feel good about myself right now. <laughs> so what happens in life has the potential to determine our vantage point and how we will view our world throughout life. I'm going to say that again. What happens in life has the potential to determine my vantage point and how I will view my world throughout life. What, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. This attaches. Now, in the past, when I was in my 20s, I would have gotten on a higher chair and I would have actually jumped. Yeah. We got the prayer team ready? <laughs> I already heard some of you. Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Keep him safe, Lord. Don't let him fall. Don't let him dash his feet on any rocks. He just kicked right in. Y'all mess me up. I don't do this everywhere, but. So let's pretend that this is Humpty Dumpty seated, pre-fall. Look at what he can see. Look at what his vantage point is. Man, I can see so much here. I can see all, I can see all of you. I can, I can see all of you very much detailed. I can see your faces. I can sense your reactions and your actions. This is pre-fall. This is where we should sit right now, even though we're natural. Come on, we're supernatural beings. So Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. This is where you've got to imagine now because I'm 45. Imagine Humpty falling.
try to help as much as I can. <laughs> Some people are not as visual as I am, so I just try and bring it to you. So, Humpty Dumpty had a fall. Great fall. Humanity had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men, just kind of, because they couldn't put all of the pieces back together. So now, if this is my life, if I'm in a home where dad hasn't even been around, if I'm in a home where some kind of an abuse happened, from an early age I have my fall. I don't know what it looks like to be seated. I know what it looks like to be here. And my perception of you is, man, y'all got great shoes. <laughs> I mean, dude, we're talking Cole Haan, Nike Air, Timberland. I mean, life is about shoes. Can you tell me life is about anything else? You can. And I'll say, yeah, sure. Look at the shoes. And you're going, no, no, no. There, there, there's more to the view. Sure there is. More shoes. Kneecaps. Some of the cutest kneecaps I've ever seen. Got pictures of them. I can't even see some of you anymore. I can kind of sense you're there. Why? Because my perception now limits me because of the fall. And you can tell me, man, there are great mountains out there. Yes, there are. No, 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 really there are. Yeah, I believe you. I, I can see them. There's no way you can tell me I can't see them. Because I view everything through my lenses. Until I know what I don't know, this is what I know. Are you here? And so these things that hit our lives, I'm going to say it again. What happens in my life has the potential to determine my vantage point and how I will view my world throughout my entire life. See, from the time you're born till you're six, you're on the wall. And your life is being made on that wall. And you know about 80% of all you are is, is solidified, sealed the deal by the time you're six or seven, and pretty much the rest of it by the time you're 12. And you either spend the rest of your life sitting on that wall with the right foundation, or being off the wall, trying to even figure out if you should sit on a wall. Come on. And that comes in all those things that we talked about last month and what a fall is. And yeah, I always go over the real big ones because that's easy to picture and understand. But a fall can be you sitting in a class in sixth grade or in, 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 in third grade and you're not getting something and, and, and the teacher making fun of you and all the kids laughing. That's a push off the wall. And then that layers in high school. And then it layers at home. And then it layers with your spouse. Come on. Did you ever hear about those people that got married and then they say, once I got married, like somebody else showed up? So it is you and not me. No. <laughs> we get, is this being recorded? Because i got to be real careful right now. 
talking about myself, not you guys. <laughs> well, what happens? Well, I'm going to tell you. Here's what happens. Particularly in that first marriage. Going along, they meet each other, fall in love. Man, this person and that person, this and that. And, and they're dating and, and they're romancing. And, 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 and you know, uh, he's picking his car up and, and he's very perceptive and, and all this and that. And, and then all of a sudden we get married and he won't pick anything up. And he lives like a slob and, 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 and he didn't even let his house that way before we got married. Uh, wh what happened? Who came in and betwixt my husband into somebody else in his body. It's because once he got to the marriage mode, what kicked in in his brain is what he viewed his parents doing. Does that make sense? His perceptions, he had never been in a relationship this this deep before. I'm just making stuff up now. So, so these are all firsts. He's got nothing to perceive or reference in his brain. This is all printing fresh and new now. But then he gets into this where you're my wife, and all of a sudden, girlfriend to wife lever switches. Whoosh. And now he's got this whole background of what it means that a wife should be and what I don't have to be. Are you here? It goes the other way too, ladies. But I got to keep moving. So guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got big shoulders, you can handle it. Right? So watch this now. My perceptions in life are primarily determined by my experiences, not by my cognitive input. My perceptions in life are determined by my experience primarily and not by my cognitive input. That's why you can know all kinds of things about God and the love of God. And then if I sit down with you and you're honest with me, you say, I never feel loved. But you could give a dissertation on the love of God. Because your experience is what drives how you live. When we experience things, we put lenses on because of what we experienced. If it's truth, it's correct lenses. If it's lies, it's skewed lenses. We talk out of what we know, but we walk out of what we've experienced. So when the talk out doesn't match the walk out, I always default to the walk out, whether it's good or bad. That's why you can be all kinds of word of faith. But if the inner witness doesn't match your outer witness, you're going to default to your inner witness. That's called kicking over a cow right there. You have to have two witnesses, right? So you can declare, declare, declare. But when something comes up that matches your inner witness, guess where you're going to default? Not that you're declare. To what came inside. My perceptions frame my world. Where you get that? Hebrews 11.3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So when you hear out of the abundance of the heart what your mouth is speaking, you understand that you're framing your world. So if you want a different frame, change what's broken inside. Let God's truth change what you believe and then start speaking differently and your world will change. If you want a different world, frame it differently. A little while ago, a guy did a test with three pieces of rice and some water. For 30 days. And the one piece of rice, he'd look at every day and say, shut up. The other piece of rice, he'd ignore. And the last piece of life, he'd say, you're so wonderful. And after 30 days, 
he come back and observed, and the first piece of white rice was decaying. The second piece of rice dissolved. And the third piece of rice looked fresh and healthy, just like when he started. Only difference is what he spoke and what they believed. Now, don't take that too far, okay? I mean, I'm not. The point is, is perception. Rice can believe. <laughs> it's for another time. <laughs> so now I'm coming down to this. In Numbers chapter 13, it says that God told them to take a leader from each one of the tribes, a leader, and go in and spy out the land. That he already told them they were getting. So this wasn't really a spying out to see if they could take it. It was just to know what they're working with. Okay? And these were leaders. When they got, when like they got Junior over here that, you know, hadn't been trained or nothing. These guys knew what they were doing. And they went in, they came out, and here was the report. Caleb said, let's go in and take that land. We're ready to go. And the ten, ten of the other ones were like, uh, no. The descendants of the giants are in there. Were you not with us? Did you not see? Like, one of them had a sword as tall as you. Are you crazy? What do you mean? You can't go in now? And it's interesting what they said. Here's what they said. We have determined that we are grasshoppers in, the, in our sight and in theirs. What, they go have a committee meeting with them, sit down and go, okay, giants, what do you think of us? <laughs> yeah, y'all are grasshoppers. <clears throat> Goes back to that wheel in your head. It's not just that we think we're grasshoppers. They thought we were grasshoppers. So let me tell you what grasshoppers do. The mentality of a grasshopper. Number one is to be isolated and alone. Because that's how grasshoppers live. They live isolated and alone. Not like alone, like I need downtime. Like they don't hang out with each other. They, they hear out of their bellies. They have no ears on their heads, but they have ears on their bellies. They're carnal. They hear through the carnality of their lives. Well, we're doing good so far. Those 10 are meeting that bill. And the only time that a grasshopper hooks up with another grasshopper and another grasshopper called a swarm is when they're hungry. And what happens is the serotonin levels in a grasshopper's body heighten and literally down to the physical molecular structure of their body, they go from being a grasshopper to a locust. And they swarm together as locusts devouring carnally everything that they can. And these leaders of Israel are going, we were grasshoppers. Wow, that's a picture, isn't it? So where God wanted them in two weeks to go forward, they're out there 40 years learning not to be grasshoppers. Uh, Y'all preach that. Adam and Eve in the garden. God sets it up, makes them in his image and in his likeness. And here comes that snake. Hey, baby. You talking to me? Oh, yeah. You'll be wise if you eat from that tree. Satan, you better leave me alone. No, babe, look at that fruit. That's some fine fruit over there. No, I'm not listening to you because God told us if we eat that, we're going to die. Babe, come on now. 
Have you looked at yourself in the mirror? You aren't going to die. God knows if you eat that beautiful fruit and you're a beautiful person, you will be like him. What happened? Her perception. He got her to believe that she was something, that she wasn't something that she already was. Go in and take the land. You're ready to do it. No, we're grasshoppers. They believe something about themselves different from what God believes. Does that make sense? And it's no different in our lives. And that's a lifelong journey. Be not conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Until you get to 55, then you've arrived and you'll be gone. No, it's lifelong. We see right now through a mirror lit dimly, but then we see face to face. And whatever doesn't get taken care of here will get taken care of over there. But he wants to take care of it here. He wants to come into those places that you don't even know are wrong perceptions and take the scales off your eyes. Something about Saul to Paul, I don't know. That makes sense. So this whole anatomy of brokenness or understanding brokenness, you need to understand that there are falls in your life and there are breaks. And we went through all that last time. But in those breaks, you got to understand what it does to your perception. Because if you begin to accept that there are falls in your life, there are broken places, however that happens in your mind, it happens to all of us differently. But however that works, then you begin to understand that if this was pre-fall, and this would have been my perception, and this is post-fall in the things that have happened to break me, then I've got to understand that maybe I just need to ask God, look, if you want to take care of something, go ahead, I'm open. I can't make this happen. I can't know you in a way that I don't know you until you show me what the different way is. When Abraham walked his life out with God, he had revelation after revelation of who this God was. He was a pagan dude coming from a pagan land of gods. And God showed up and showed himself in the name of who he was. And then there was a progressive revelation of God showing, not telling, showing him who he was as a God that he didn't know but he couldn't do that in himself he couldn't make God say okay this is the face you're going to see now God did it so he's the initiator you're the responder he has initiability you have responsibility why am I so fired up about that because if I take initiability and I take it upon myself to try and change me, then I take a spiritual butcher knife and I hack myself all up to get to the one thing that's wrong. But if I start going through life trusting that what Paul said in Philippians 1.6, uh, I just went blank. That was a bad place to go blank. I was really building there. <laughs> he who has begun the good work in you, he will perform it. He will complete it. There's nothing in there about you. You can rest. I've got this that's got to change. Okay, relax. God knows that. Why don't we let God take care of that? As my mind set, 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 set. As my mindset has shifted from me having to be the one to him having to be the one, it has helped me to relax on this journey. It's taken me out of this mentality of am I doing everything right or not doing everything right is everything that lining up or not everything lining up listen in my little kids lives nothing lines up we're having a good day if one thing lines up my kids are not worried about whether they're getting everything right or not 
My little daughter is so not worried, she's turning four, and she's still going in her pants. If I put the mentality on her that I've had in my past about living a relationship with God, I would destroy her life. Because I would scold her every time she didn't do it right. I would whip her rear end every time. I'd make her form into what I think she ought to be. Now listen, I know she does. she's not to be going in her pants. And we're working on that. It's not like, you know, at some point when she's 16, oh, I don't like doing this in my pants anymore. I think I'll change. Okay, so I just want to balance that. I was like, for those of you that think black and white and no gray. But what I'm trying to get you to see is God wants this journey to be exciting. And your pain and your damage keeps it from being that as it is. So don't strap onto that a religious thought process that says, I got to constantly be finding this stuff out. Because you do yourself harm. But the other side of it is understanding that you make yourself available, that if God wants to do something, you're listening, and when he does put his finger on it, you submit to that and let him heal you. Does that make sense? Again, he's the initiator. He doesn't even think about you initiating. He's just always wanting you to respond, respond. Takes all the weight of you driving your life off of you and lets you just stay seated beside Pop. Does that make sense? So let's bow our heads today. Father, we just thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you that your idea of us is that we are like you. That we are the image of who you are. That you look at us through the lens of yourself. And regardless of what we think, that doesn't ever change what you keep thinking about us. Some of us have record, and that bothers us. But you know that that's not who we are, that's just how we've acted. You know that that's false, because you see us for who we are. You don't see us as grasshoppers isolated and alone, constantly living by our unrestrained passions and carnality. And you keep engaging us to think about ourselves the way you do because when we get on page with what you think about us, everything changes. So, Father, I just pray right now in this time corporately that you will show each one of us where we're seeing through the wrong lens. Show each one of us where in the fragileness of our hearts, where we believe one lie about ourselves, where we have one hurt that needs to be released today because somebody did us wrong. And that's muddied the waters. Show us one place inside where there's a relationship that needs resolved in my heart. Because you want to adjust that today. You want to change that. And I just want you to follow me in this today. Just say, Jesus, I choose in 2015 to let you be the initiator to stay seated and enjoy the ride
you get to drive this thing called my life. You have initiability, and I have responsibility. Your desire is for me to be mature, and I can't make that happen. So I give you permission to meddle, to open up, to unlock, to expose all the areas of my heart that keep me from really knowing you this year. So if he showed you something today, or even if he didn't, I just want you to pray this with me. Jesus, by an act of my will, I choose to forgive this person for this situation and all the things that went with it. I release it to you. I release this person to you. And I let these things go. I let this person go. I'm not holding on to it anymore. And it's not holding me. Now I want you to just listen. Jesus, what's the truth you want each one of your sons and daughters to know here as we leave today? If there was a lie that came up that they were believing, what's the truth you want them to know? However you talk to your sons and daughters, whether it's in a thought, a feeling, a picture, or a voice. Speak truth right now, Lord. Embrace those that need an embrace. Help them to feel your embrace. There's things that are said in a hug that can't be said in a voice. Father, if there's a memory that somebody's in right now, show up in that memory. You were there. Show them where you were. Strip back the unseen. Help them to see where you were, what you were doing, how you felt about them. Rescue them. Secure their hearts. Make that place safe. Because we want to go into 2016 farther than we've ever been. Farther, farther more than just in our journey and in our purpose, further in our relationship with you. We really want to know what it means to be loved and to love this year. We really want to know what it means to have a papa that'll come up on any given day and say, hey, how you doing? What's going on in your heart? For yours, Lord, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Of your kingdom, there is no end. It's ever increasing and it's inside of us.